This podcast is brought to you by She Society, sharing the perspectives and stories of women Australia-wide. Hello and welcome to Buzzing About Books with Michelle Beasley. I'm Michelle Beasley from She Society. I'm here in my home in Brisbane. It's a very wet day today. We've had lots of rain in Sydney, on parts of the Gold Coast, uh, North Lakes, the hinterland. So I hope you're staying safe and dry wherever you are. Because of the rain, a good thing to do is, of course, read a great book. And I've read a few really good ones recently. The first one was a non-fiction book and I actually bought it for my son for Christmas and he read it quite quickly. He studied sustainability so he was very interested in this one and it's from Sir David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet and it's Sir David's witness statement and vision for the future. Now it's a really easy read, it's got some pictures as well and It's sharing the wisdom that he's gained in his 94 years. He said, I've had an extraordinary life and it's only now that I appreciate how extraordinary. So he's got some of the changes he's seen along the way. There's lovely pictures of some of the animals and little case studies of things he's noticed as he's done his documentaries and gone around the world. And at each chapter, it has um, the year. So 2011, the world population was 7 billion. There were 391 parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere. And the remaining wilderness was 39%. Uh, Go on to 2020, our population is 7.8 billion. The carbon in the atmosphere is 415 parts per million, so that's a huge jump. And the remaining wilderness, oh, 35%. So that's 3% down in all those years. So he states that at the beginning and then says some of the changes that he's witnessed. And also he gives us some strategies for things we can do in the future to help to change the planet for the better so he has the vision for the future. He just doesn't say what's going wrong. He also tells us what we can do as an individual and as a society. So I really enjoyed that one. Um, Biodiversity is very important and it's declined. So he gives us ways uh, to try and restore stability to the planet Um, and change some of the things that we have removed so we must rewild the wild and hopefully the planet can be saved now that's a non-fiction that I've been reading another well fiction and non-fiction I've read an anthology which has a couple of my writing group friends in it it's called Our Inside Voices and it's Reflections on COVID-19. So my friend Kath Harrison, she's got a funny one in there about trying to do online shopping for the first time and then there are actually dramatic uh, travel stories. Uh, Nick Earls has got a story in there. So there's 50 short essays Uh, There's memoirs, poems and different stories and it's an early creative response to the COVID-19 pandemic. The writers reflect on how this disease has dramatically shaped our ways of living and dying Um, 
and the social implications of living through a pandemic as well. So there's diverse and eloquent voices and they've captured the creative ways in which Australians have adapted to our changing realities in such a rapidly changing time. So if you enjoy an anthology, that's a great one. That's been printed here in Brisbane. Our Inside Voices, Reflections on COVID-19. So there are two that are quite different reads. Now, I've also read Melissa Ashley. I read The Birdman's um, Wife and that was really lovely. I'm a big bird fanatic. The Bee in the Orange Tree is a different story. It's set in France in lots of the places I recognise. So it's 16.99, and the salons of Paris are bursting with the creative energy of fierce, independently-minded women. But outside those doors, the patriarchal forces of Louis XIV and the Catholic Church are moving to curb women's freedoms. In this battle for equality, Baroness Marie Catherine invents a powerful weapon, fairy tales. When Marie Catherine's daughter Angelina arrives in Paris for the first time, she's swept up in the glamour and sensuality of the city where a woman may live outside the confines of the church or marriage. But this is a fragile freedom. As she discovers when uh, their close friend, Nicola, is arrested and she's accused of conspiring to murder her abusive husband. In the race to rescue Nicola, illusions will be shattered and dark secrets revealed as all three women learn how far they will go to preserve their liberty in a society which is determined to control them. So this isn't a new book, but it's a new one from Melissa, her second novel. I did see her at the Brisbane Writers' Festival talking about The Birdman's Wife, and I think a lot of book clubs were reading this one last year. So it has a lot of history about fairy tales, a lot of French history, can be a little bit heavy going at times, but very relevant to our experiences at the moment. So if you like a bit of historical fiction with a little bit of um, feminism and a little bit of um, going against the patriarchy and battles for equality in a different time, this one might be just the one you want. It's got a beautiful cover, The Bee and the Orange Tree, and that's a, a UQ Affirm Press book, I think. Uh, now, oh, this one's a tricky one. My friend Ruth gave me Sophie Laguna's Infinite Splendors. Most beautiful cover, beautiful yellow flowers. You've probably seen it. And um, she won the Miles Franklin Literary Award for The Eye of the Sheep, which I haven't read. I have read Sophie's The Choke, which was an amazing book, and I really love that. This one I, I won't sugarcoat it. It's a difficult read and I found that I was quite anxious and couldn't get to sleep after reading it. So if you're looking for an easy read, this one may not be the one for you. And on the back it says, Infinite Splendours is an extraordinary novel, incandescent with love and compassion, rich in colour and character. Uh, the power and virtuosity of Laguna's writing make it impossible for us to look away. By being seen, Lawrence is redeemed. Now, I, 
the character Lawrence is a young boy when it first starts and the setting is wonderful. It's an Australian bush setting, farmland and growing their own vegetables and Lawrence is a bright, curious, caring boy with a huge gift for painting. Uh, All his teachers love him. He has a brother who he's very close to. Something has happened in his mother's life and then when he's 10, something happens and then he's left to deal with the devastating aftermath as he grows up. He still paints but he can't rewrite his history. Yeah, I just found it too, too difficult and the book should come with a warning. The things that are said on the back and front don't really tell you a lot about what's inside. So if you are one of those people who likes a difficult read, this one may be for you, but really it it made me quite anxious and sad. So not a winner for me, I'm afraid. Beautifully written and I can see why the accolades are coming, but no, I didn't enjoy it at all. So that's Infinite Splendours by Sophie Laguna. But by all means, go and read The Choke. Love that one. And I will go and find The Eye of the Sheep. It just wasn't the material for me. So if you're looking for a light read, don't grab that one. For a light read, I've really enjoyed this one and it's a guaranteed great read. It's This Has Been Absolutely Lovely by Jessica Detman. Now, it tells the story of Annie, who's a mum, and she's got three children, Molly, Naomi and Simon. Now, Annie's dream was to be a musician and she was in quite a successful band called Love Triangle with Paul and Brian. She ended up marrying Paul, who was the father of her children, but uh, after a while, He told her that, no, he and Brian were actually in love. So they went off to live in London and Annie's dreams of music were put on hold as she raised her children. Now, when we meet her, she's been caring for her ailing parents and after her dad passes away, she can finally taste freedom. So all the family are home for Christmas, um, all at her dad's house, Um, Her youngest daughter Molly is pregnant and she and her husband Jack, um, their their apartment has concrete uh, cancer so they have to move out so they move in. Brian and Paul are coming for Christmas so they're there. Simon and his wife Diana and their little boy Felix have come over from Germany and Naomi's there with her daughter. Now, Naomi's a free spirit, makes her own kombucha, lives in perhaps somewhere like Byron Bay, a little bit of a hippie. So that's Naomi, and everyone loves her. She's a really good spirit. Uh, Simon, on the other hand, is quite prickly, um, a little bit arrogant. So all of these personalities are living in the house together. Now, Annie gets a second chance. She starts writing songs again, even with everyone around. And suddenly her friend Jane tells her to go and do an open mic night. So she gives out some demo tapes and and things start happening from there. 
But unfortunately, as Annie's trying to gain her freedom, her children keep drawing her back in close. So in the close quarters of the family home over one fraught summer, shocking revelations come to light and everyone is forced to confront the, the question of what it means to be family. So it's a story of growing up for her children, um, of hope and failure, and you have to wonder, is it ever too late to try again if you've got a dream? And all of you know that I've always wanted to write, and that didn't happen until I was in my 50s either. So yes, it really appealed to me. Um, it'll appeal to so many people on so many levels. It's funny and heartwarming and yeah, just one of those family sagas that you really love. Jessica's a charming writer. Her characters are so well formed and you just don't want to put it down. You want to keep on reading long into the night and yeah, that's a very easy contemporary read this has been absolutely lovely. So I can recommend that one. Now, the next one that I'm reading, oh, well, everyone has been raving about this book and it's the Paris Library. Now, I have read quite a few World War books and history books in the past few months. So I wasn't too sure about reading another one, but because of the library connection, I know where the American Library is in Paris. I've had a little peek in there. So I thought, all right, it's getting such good reviews. Let's read it. And it's sort of not a dual timeline story as such, but it tells the story of Odile in 1939 and then again in 1983. So in 1939, she's living in Paris and working in the American Library and then something happens, which we don't know for most of the story, and she's moved to Montana and small-town life in Montana and meeting some of the people who live there, uh, Lily who lives next door. So it's a, a lot about Lily's life and which is intertwined with her strange neighbour, Odile, who's very mysterious, comes from foreign parts, but as they get to know each other, they form a little relationship. So Odile, like me, is obsessed with books and she loves her job at the American Library in Paris. Um, it's a thriving community of expats and students and writers and book lovers. But when war is declared, the library is determined to remain open. Then the Nazis invade Paris and everything changes. In occupied Paris, choices as black and white as the words on a page become a murky shade of grey choices that will put many on the wrong side of history and the consequences of which will echo for decades to come. So I loved reading about all the different characters in the library, the other librarians, her family, her loves, her life. So it's so much more than what I've just read from the back of the book. So that's really heartwarming and you will fall in love with all the characters. Now in Montana, Lily is the lonely, lonely teenager who's desperate to escape small town Montana. She grows so close to Odile, discovering that they share the same love of language, the same longing. But as Lily uncovers more about her past, she discovers a dark secret 
which has been closely guarded and long hidden. So it's based on the Second World War story of the heroic librarians at the American Library in Paris and it's an unforgettable novel of romance, friendship, family and heroism which can be found in the quietest of places. So for someone who loves Paris and libraries and a really good story about women doing extraordinary things, um, snippets of favourite books, it's just a charming read and I think you're going to love that one. So if you haven't already read it, The Paris Library by Janet, I think it's Skeslian Charles. So look out for that. And the cover's just beautiful. It has some World War II planes, uh, a misty Eiffel Tower in the background and, and a librarian with some books. So a very, very beautiful cover and one I think you'll enjoy. So that's mostly my good reads for now. What am I reading next? Well, I must be on a Paris roll because I have a thriller which I want to read next, which is called The Paris Affair by Pip Drysdale. Now, you might know Pip. She was the best-selling author of The Sunday Girl and The Strangers We Know. And on the front it says, she thinks love can kill you. It turns out she might be right. So no matter what Audrey Hepburn might have said about the city of love, it turns out Paris is not always a good idea. So it tells the story of Harper Brown, who's an art and culture writer, and she's hot on the trail of a murderer and the scoop of a lifetime. That's if the killer doesn't catch her first. So that sounds like a really good one. After I've read this charming The Paris Library, I'm heading on to The Paris Affair. And after that, here's one I bought at Annie's Books at Perigian Beach when I was up there recently. So this one's called The Chanel Sisters by Judith Little. And it's the unforgettable story of the sisters who change fashion forever. Abandoned at a convent orphanage, Antoinette and Gabriel are raised for simple lives, but the Chanel girls dream of a glittering future. Determined to prove themselves, the sisters begin performing in bohemian cafes and stylish music halls. And soon the bright lights of Paris call, along with a small hat shop on the Rue Cambon, where a boutique business takes hold and expands to the glamorous French resort towns. But when war breaks out, everything changes and Gabrielle and Antoinette must navigate great loves, devastating losses and fight harder than ever to make their mark on the world. And it's told through the eyes of Antoinette, one of the sisters, and it reveals the extraordinary women behind the most iconic name in fashion. And of course, Gabrielle ended up to be Coco Chanel. So this is written from the perspective of her sister, Antoinette, and it's loosely based on their story, but I think that will be a good one. So my next two reads are The Paris Affair and The Chanel Sisters. So three books in a row with an Eiffel Tower on the front, and then I'll probably have to switch to a different country. I think I must be missing Paris. However, I hope you're reading something good. 
Lots of people have been recommending Honeybee by Craig Silvey and, of course, he's written the, the wonderful Jasper Jones. Um, I'm looking forward to reading the next Joanna Nell when I find that one and I'm also going to a talk by Susan Johnson soon. She'll be in conversation with Frances Whiting who you might know from the newspaper column and her wonderful books and that will be at the Brisbane Square Library I think end of April. I've also been to the Brisbane Writers' Festival launch and that was an amazing night. It was the very first event on the Queensland Terrace at the State Library of Queensland there at Southbank and lots of writers. Benjamin Law is their guest curator, so he was there. Also there was former Lord Mayor Sally Ann Atkinson, Michelle Law, Benjamin's sister, who's a writer, playwright, actress and... Uh, I met Sally Piper there, who I've met before, and her book, The Geography of Friendship, is being made into a series by um, Rose Byrne. So that's another one from UQ Press, and Sally's working on her second novel now. I'm just trying to think who else was there. There were lots of writers. Oh, I met Annie Richards, who's written a story about Brisbane um, during the time of the Springbok tours and the university riots and and all that sort of thing so I'll be interested in reading that and yes the Writers Festival just looks wonderful there are lots of online and in-person events so you can catch Trent Dalton talking about all our shimmering skies Jean Kitson will be there talking about her new book on um, looking after ageing parents. Uh, lots of really wonderful... Oh, Kate Morton's doing a Mother's Day high tea at Customs House. So Kate Morton's one of my favourites. If I look over here, I can see... <clears throat> let me see. The Distant Hours, The Clockmaker's Daughter, The Forgotten Garden, The Shifting Fog the lake house and the secret keeper. So they're all on my shelf. So you can tell Kate's one of my favourites because I've read all of those novels. And she's back in Brisbane now, was living in London for a while, grew up in Paddington. So we're lucky to have a lot of our writers coming home to roost back again in Brisbane. So that's a bit of the writerly news that's happening in our fair city. The Writers' Festival will be on from May 7th to 9th this year. It's changed its dates. So don't forget, tickets are on sale now. So the events will go really fast because it's uh, much shorter and a lot online. So if you want to get to some really live events, that might be one for you. So that's me for buzzing about books for this time. Uh, enjoy your reading. Let me know some of your recommendations and stay sparkly and stay dry. This podcast is brought to you by She Society, 